This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Philip Bride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Sam Carroll, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And as always, plenty to get our teeth stuck into. There is a game to look back on, an excellent victory at Leeds, and I'm sure. Gavin and Preno and their wisdom will remind us of it's a rarity of victory at Ellen Road. And of course, <laughs> a game to preview, another big game. They're th- come thick and fast, aren't they? Trip to Old Trafford on Saturday night. Everton going to Manchester United. Um, but we'll start at Ellen Road. Um, Carlo Ancelotti, Preno, said it was the best result of the season. <laughs> yeah, to, to me, it's just indicative of what a really strange season it's been that we can, you know, follow up such a wretched performance against Newcastle with such a good result and performance for large parts of the game uh, against Leeds. First off with excellence, it really was good stuff to watch. Uh, you know, so good football, really intense, which it has to be and which it should be as a matter of course. But the one issue we seem to have with this Everton team at the moment is they're capable of producing really good performances against almost anybody, but not capable of maintaining it consistently uh, but we got it, you know, so on a Wednesday night. Great first half performance, but second half proved what they can do. You know, when they put them onto it in terms of defensive application, had to defend, had to defend really well and did so. And I know Ben Godfrey got all applauded and rightly so, but I thought it was a really good team defensive performance. And I was quite, I know that we'll come on to it later, uh, but quite in- interested with what Carlo Ancelotti had to say afterwards about Gilfie Sigurdsson in terms of his defensive, you know, sort of performance, given that he was playing number 10. Um, so, yeah, it was all in all, it was a, a great performance. And as you hinted at earlier, a rare you know, opportunity to come away from Ellen Road smiling. Uh, we've had too few of those down the years and everybody in the media seems to be quite keen to remind us that it was a rarity. I mean, no, it's been 14 years or so since we've last been there. So, yeah, of course it's rare. But I take, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't happen very often. For some reason, Ellen Road's been one of those stadia that we've always seemed to struggle at. But we didn't. You know, we got a great result. Best of the season? Possibly. I, I don't know about that. There's been a number of other highlights this season. But yeah, maybe in terms of like what it followed, possibly it was. We had to like, get get back on the uh, get back in the saddle very, very quickly. And we did really, really well. So yeah, great results. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's all down to Sam's nan, isn't it? <laughs> Big prediction. <laughs> um, Sam, I'll come back to you in a sec. Gav, uh, did, did we play that well last time we won at Ellen Road? Uh, not as well. That was the way Nooney was, wasn't it? 2002. Yeah. Um, no, it was, that was a tight, typical Moyes, early Moyes away performance, wasn't it? Keep it tight and strike later. Um, Leeds were strong. And you're playing a part of Leeds, seeing that they, they, they escaped with relegation last couple of games of the season. So you're playing a far better Leeds team, better coach Leeds team. So, yeah, um, it's probably our best results ever at Allen's Road, to be fair. Yeah. Um, because it was like Gav, five wins there, it's not hard. Give us your stats, which really impressed me that night. Well, yeah, yeah. Just after half time, it was like 37 minutes we held the lead. And Ellen Road is the longest time we've ever held it. <laughs> Ellen <Rode>. Staggering. <laughs> yeah, and the worst thing about it, Leeds scored straight away. And, you know, <laughs> and I thought, oh no, I put the rockers on the say, you know. Yeah. Well, I can, I, I, you know what I'll say? I thought it was a fantastic game. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant match. I mean, that's one of the best Everton games I've seen in the Premier League for a long, long time. 
in terms of the way the two teams are matched up, in terms of individuals that are matched up. You could tell by Bielsa's held in such high regard because he just he tested in different ways to other coaches that you've probably not seen before as a, as a team. Carl Ratti's all his experience. Um, it was high energy for 90 minutes. No, Nobody played poorly on either team. It was just, I just thought it was a brilliant game. Um, and, for, and also as well on Newsday, there wasn't that many chances in the great scheme of things, was it? For the free-flowing game, the number of chances were quite rare. So, you know, Walsh had a, a flurry of saves in the second half. I just thought it was a, you know, as good a game as what you'll say in the Premier League and uh, in that context to win. I, I, I think, I think Leicester away is probably our best of the season. Uh, to be fair, I thought we were superb that night. But in terms of game of the season, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was reminded me. I'm going back, Moyes last season we drew nil nil at Arsenal in uh, in in the April, and it was a very that was a very similar game, and it was nil nil. And there was about three chances in the entire game, and it got one of the Guardian's six best games of the season. Hmm. Just, just the way the two teams cancelled each other out. You know the way individuals played really well, and, and um, you know, sort of tackled each other. You know, tackled each other's sense of weaknesses and tested each other during the game. And that was a similar, similar on Wednesday. Great result, great game, and, and very good commentary, by the way, for watching at home. I thought it made the change. Really good commentary. Excellent. Sam, you ever made a uh, fifteen-second quadruple save quite like uh, Robin Olsen did? No, I was, uh, to be honest, it's weird because because we're me and Adam obviously living together. We've got uh, I don't even know what watching like now TV or something, and we're not even like thirty seconds behind. We're like in the first half while everyone else is in the second half. So <laughs> we were kind of we were kind of seeing all the, but it, it is quite good because like because you're there, Phil, you'll tweet like goal and you can kind of get yourself prepared, you know, for what's great. It's great when Everton scored anyway. But, you know, everyone's tweeting like, oh my God, Olsen, unbelievable and all stuff like that. And you're waiting for it. But still, even then when you've seen it with your own eyes, it was, it was brilliant, weren't it? And to be honest, I do, I think uh, me and Preno have both kind of stuck up for, stuck up for Jordan Pickford over certainly the last 12 or 18 months, haven't we? Um, but I, I probably now I'm just in the thing of, he's just a simple goalkeeper really, isn't he? He just does his jobs. He, he, he kind of, doesn't look like he makes any of his defenders nervous. And then he, he can come up with the sublime like that. You know, he's a big fella. He got down so well for the first one. Then the reactions to get back up and clear it away. And then the bravery of the third one. It, it had absolutely everything that, that those first three saves. And then and then there was another one right after it. So um, I think right now, I think Carlo, judging from what he says at his press conference today, is, is just going to keep rotating until the end of the season. And I don't think we'll ever maybe find out who is number one, number two, if it'll be quite as, as strict as that. But for, for me right now, I'd, I'd probably start considering Olsen as a, above Pickford in the pecking order. And if there's a big game, I'd probably turn to, to Olsen at the moment. And maybe a little bit unlucky. There was nothing Pickford could have done against Newcastle about the goals. But, you know, it hasn't been a great 12 months for him. And, and Olsen just seems to have that kind of assuredness that, that we've been looking for for a while. So just staying with you, Sam, because Carlo has confirmed that Jordan's uh, injured and will miss the game again. But if Pickford had been fit, you would have gone with Olsen at Old Trafford tomorrow? I think so, yeah. I think that obviously Olsen, was, I think Olsen said it himself, hasn't he? He was told that he would get game time uh, by coming to Everton. You know, it was quite surprising when we signed the goalkeeper because uh, we already had, you know, Jonas Lossel as backup and 
Joe Virginia was knocking about as well, but you know he's came in every game he's played in. He's he's looked good. I think I've seen I've seen a, a, a couple of weird shouts about you know the saves came from his own mistake, which I thought was quite harsh. You know what I mean? I think you're still going to make the save mm-hmm. after it. You know what was he going to do? Just just let it in, kind of thing. And um, <laughs> I, I, and I've seen also a few people maybe kind of questioning his distribution, but I think whatever needs at the moment. You know we've got ball playing defenders now as as Ben Godfrey's shown. You know, you don't need, you know, you don't need your goalkeeper to be Edison or Allison. You know, not every team needs that as long as you've got the outfield players to do it. So, yeah, I, I would I would have kept Olsen in it anyway. And I don't know. I think we've spoke about it on the podcast before. I'm not, I'm not a massive believer in rotating goalkeepers and I'm not kind of sure how we'll ever be able to measure if it does good or, or bad for people really in, in, the, in the long run. But... Uh, it will be interesting. When, I think when Pickford comes back, if we're still in the same form that we're in now, you know, and there's genuine big games, you know, we need to beat, you know, say Liverpool and Anfield, that's coming up, isn't it? It it, it will be a big kind of decision for Ancelotti of, of who he goes for in those matches. Mm. So just in summary, Sam, a former goalkeeper, not in favour of rotating goalkeepers. Hmm. <laughs> was, they, were root, they were ruthless with me. I don't know why they're changing now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Preno, Carlo said something uh, uh, when he was asked about Olsen the difference between Olsen and Pickford the other week he said Jordan maybe has more individual qualities well Jordan would have been more than happy to have made those saves that Olsen made wouldn't he yeah I mean it, it, it's what you want from your goalkeeper at this moment in time I mean I totally take what Carlo Ancelotti says on board there for me Jordan Pickford is capable of the the more spectacular, you know, incredible saves that will, you know, stop an absolutely, you know, near certain goal. But he's much more capable also of making a clangor which costs you a goal. Whereas Robin Olsen, maybe not quite as likely to make those, you know, absolutely blinding saves, but his general demeanour is more reliable, uh, less spectacular, more reliable. His distribution isn't as good as Pickford's, few goalkeepers are. And uh, yeah, you can understand that why people are saying, well, okay, that, um, you know, those, that triple save, if you like, came from, you know, sort of a rare, you know, dodgy kick out. But he's just, he exudes reliability and assurance at the moment. And to me, given where we are on the table, that that's probably more valuable at the moment than having the potential to make an absolutely incredible blinding save. You don't want to throw silly points away rather than possibly, you know, sort of turn, you know, sort of no points into one point or one point into three points by the occasional blinding save. And Pickford this season has made more mistakes than he has made blinding saves, I would think. He's cost us more points than he saved, let's put it that way. So, you know, I would understand why Olsen uh, would be preferred by, you know, Sam for the game, you know, this weekend. And certainly Anfield, you know, given the focus on uh, on Jordan Pickford there will be in that game. Obviously, there'll be no crowd in there, which is a, a major positive. But, you know, certainly, there'll still be scrutiny of him as a result of what happened in the first game. And so, you know, Olsen's probably, you know, so I said, Carlo Ancelotti, a difficult decision because to me, he would be an obvious choice uh, for that one. So, you know, despite having defended Jordan Pickford for large portions of this season, I'm probably agreeing with Sam here. And I think that, you know, Olsen, where we are on the table at the moment, probably is the more reliable option because you, you don't want any drama. I mean, funnily enough, when Leeds scored their goal, my initial thought was, could he have gone down a bit quicker to that? And I just think if Jordan Pickford had been in goal, that would have been the case because he's conceded other goals this season that have definitely been his fault. People look at items like that and think, well, hang on, could he have gone down a bit quicker for that? 
because Olsen hasn't you know, made any blunders, he doesn't get that kind of scrutiny attached to him. So it's tough. It's a difficult balancing act. And, you know, clearly Carlo hasn't you know, given up on Jordan Pickford at all. I think he's just taken him out of the limelight you know, every now and then. And, you know, he's got a rib injury at the moment. So that's why he's not playing. But I just think at the moment where we are on the table, I think probably that little bit of calm reassurance is a bit more valuable to us than the, the blinding excellence that Jordan Pickford can occasionally produce. Gav, uh, you know, as I said, it's it's a it's it, it's a, a pointless di- di- discussion because Pickford is 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 injured. But I think as people would still be interested to to know what you would have done because ultimately, you know, if Olsen has a good game again on on Saturday, there's 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 a decision when you've got two fit goalkeepers, maybe for Spurs in the cup. You know, what, where would you go with that? If if that had been the case this weekend and Jordan was fit, yeah, who would you, who would you have picked? Uh, well, I, I, I said all along, I'm not a fan of rotating keepers for the start. Who's your best keeper? Best keeper at the moment is Holson, isn't it? I've yeah. seen him so far this season. Uh, you know, if you watched Everton in the last... If you'd landed from Planet Zog on last Friday, uh, lots of people land from Planet Zog, obviously. I think you have to quarantine in a hotel for 10 yeah, days. Probably, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what's the Newcastle game? And watched the game last night and said he was the better keeper. Yeah. Who would you say? It would be quite obvious, wouldn't it? If you watch the two keepers, Olsen's played, there's a three Premier League games for us this season, something like that. And watched three of Jordan's games in that time, who's the better keeper? You'd be saying Olsen, wouldn't you, really? I mean, it's, 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 to, me, it's, it's, it, to me, there's a gap. But I get, I get that the Pickford, his ceiling of potential and performance is probably a little bit higher than single. In single matches, uh, as he showed in 2017-18 on occasions, but he had to be busy. But in, in terms of having, a, you know, Peno said a calming influence. He just wonder whether the defence would rather have also behind the Pickford. I know what I'd rather have as a central mm. defender. Mm. You want you want calmness, don't you? Well, you know, and I, I, I just think I, I'm not saying Olsen's perfect, and we've got you know the next level south all there. But in terms of where we are as a club at the moment. What we want to try and achieve, I think, a bit of stability at the back, full stop is required, and I think that extends to the keeper. I, I really don't get Carlo. I, I can see him saying it. What he's saying is one of what he's thinking is probably two completely different things here. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably he's probably trying to keep Jordan in the game, in in the conversation by not saying, "Oh, Wilson's my number one from now on, Jordan." You know, mm. because given Jordan's temperament and, as we well know, maybe not the best. Uh, that would be a difficult conversation, wouldn't it? Uh, I suspect, I, I suspect some of that comes into it. Carlos thinking this is good man management, um, but you've got to go with Olsen, haven't you? I think for yeah. the time being, full stop. Regardless of Jordan coming back, I mean, just be thankful that if we went to Magic, we went to Anfield, and, and in in a better world, there'd be a full house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the take mm. up yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed that opportunity, would you? You know, but now Olsen all day for me, Phil. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sam, Carlo after the game, obviously really impressive 2-1 win after the game, repeating this uh, this assertion that he's been surprised by Godfrey. In fact, I think he ramped it up to say he's been really, really surprised. <laughs> um, have you been surprised by Godfrey? Yeah, in the sense that it's one of those transfers, wasn't it? That it was it was done on deadline day in the well, you say in the summer, was it like 
October, yeah. November or something. So, and a, a player who's just been relegated, and you know, Everton have, Everton have got into that weird funk, hadn't they? Where you know, player everyone we signed, I just started assuming was terrible. You know, we had those years of Balassi and Klassen, and it was just like it was a risk, wasn't it? A young man, a young defender as well. You know, it, it's tough at, at that age to to swap teams. A, a really kind of tough year mentally to to basically play centre half in a team that gets beat pretty much every week. I think Norwich on the sly were one of the poorest Premier League teams in a long time. Um, but he's he's just unbelievable. He's he's got it all, hasn't he? And I think. It's weird the way it's played out. That I think when he played, he played in the back three at Fulham, didn't he? And and I think a few people were kind of lukewarm to him. You know, he, he did okay. Didn't I? Don't think anyone particularly played that well in that game. Um, and it, it was it was moving to left back that's given him that kind of uh, lease of life originally. But the the way he played at centre back the other night was was just sensational. And um, every, everyone's loving him at the moment. I don't think there's anyone out there now who. Um, isn't sure about him and I think he's absolutely nailed on uh, to be a future England regular and the way he's playing at the moment I think the only thing that will hold him back is that Ancelotti will rotate between now and the end of the season because I think Gareth Southgate could do worse than putting someone like him in his in his Euro squad because he can do it all and you know there was that clip of him wasn't there running the ball out from the back um, <laughs> which was just like it was like watching like when like your dad joins in when you're a kid, wasn't it? And he just like starts like steaming past you, and then the ball kind of like got caught up in, in his feet, and you're like, oh, he's lost him. And then he just pulled out a crazy, messy ten and, and carries on. So he's just got a bit of everything at the moment. And I think the great thing about him is that, you know, I know he obviously hasn't come through our academy or anything like that, but usually when a young defender breaks into the team, there's always that little bit of nervousness about them, certainly defensively, you know. And even if you look at someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who everyone says is potentially the best right-back in the world. People still have the doubts about him defensively, but Godfrey is just absolutely rock-solid. He's a machine. He's one of the fastest players over five or six yards that I've seen in Everton in a long time. And and he's just solid, isn't he? Even when you see those clips of him boxing and that, you, you wouldn't mess with him. And, and, he's a, and he's a young lad, so a bit of everything for me. And I think right now, for me, choosing Everton's back four is just... Impossible, isn't it? Because Holgate has done nothing wrong, really, except pick up a few unfortunately timed injuries. Godfrey is in boss form. Mina's in the form of his career. Now you see why we paid 25, 30 million for him. And Michael Keane, I think, is probably the most consistent centre back in the Premier League across the league this season. And, and, and you know, one of the, the top five Premier Leagues and uh, one of the top five centre backs in the Premier League for me this season. So. Mm. You know, fitting them into a back four where you've got Luca Dean at left back. Obviously, one of them now probably breathing down Seamus Coleman's neck to, to get in at right back. So, interesting to see where, where Carlo goes with that. But, yeah, very, very surprised, as Carlo said, by Ben Godfrey, but in the best possible way. Mm, I think Carlo might have to start playing the back six just to play them all. <laughs> um, and, Sam, and Sam mentions their... Um, Yerry Mina and, um, you know, it did cross my mind, apart from a slightly uh, chaotic 15-minute spell and start of the second half, you know, all those headers he was winning. I was thinking, isn't this nicely time for Marcel Brands that the second most expensive player he's signed for the football club is actually starting to look like a £27.5 million player? But, Prano, you wanted to, um, you wanted to mention Sigurdsson. 
Yeah, because I got involved in just a little bit of a debate uh, on, on Twitter with an Evertonian who, in the immediate aftermath of the game, was uh, still reluctant to praise him, shall we say. Um, you know, talked about uh, how the goal was only a tap-in and how he went missing in the second half. Um, you know, when he was when we were backs to the wall and we were looking for more you know, defensive resilience. And I thought that was really harsh, to be honest. I mean, I, I thought he had a really good first half it wasn't a tap-in. It was a great bit of movement and energy and intelligence to get into that position in the first place. And I know Luca Dean will get the praise for the cross because it was a sensational cross. And so, so should Andre Gomez for the uh, the pre-assist, you know, that wonderful uh, you know, sort of pass down the line. But it was still a really good run and tidy finish in the end. Obviously, he won't get the assist. Actually, Guilfi will get the pre-assist, but only for the uh, for the second goal because Ben Godfrey flicked it on. So, um, you know, he was influential with the set piece. But then I thought his general, you know, sort of breaking up playing the second half was good. And I was quite interested to hear Carlo Ancelotti single him out in the press conference afterwards, where he talked, or in the television interview afterwards, where he spoke about uh, him and about, you know, sort of the shift he'd pull in. So I just thought it was a really good performance from him. And, you know, I know we can't indulge him by playing him as a number 10 every week because James Rodriguez, for me, you know, is absolutely, you know, a shoo-in for that position, you know, so when he's fully fit and available uh, because, you know, he's just exudes so much quality. But it's just good to see, you know, so Gilfie do what he does. And clearly it underlines that Carlo does like him and does rate him. And, um, you know, he made him skipper for the night, you know, which speaks volumes. I think the fact that, you know, he is capable of playing in various other positions is in his favour. Number 10 is clearly his best position. And I thought he showed that on Wednesday. I was just pleased to see a good performance from him. And he got talked up. I mean, as Gav mentioned in the commentary, they mentioned, you know, the transfer feed cost, but also, you know, so how it was a good performance from him. So, you know, while Ben Godfrey will get the plaudits, while the defensive players, you know, people will talk about, and rightly so, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin back on the goal trail will get talked about. I think Gilfie deserves a bit of praise as well for that performance. Uh, I thought it was really good, really reassuring. I think what, what is showing through with, with Sigurdsson, I think I was surprised the other day to see uh, there was there was an interview just published on the club website itself of uh, and Sigurdsson kind of admitted, you know, this is the happiest I've ever been at Everton, which I felt was quite strong in a way that, you know, he is now, he has kind of openly said that there's been times where he hasn't been too happy and, and I think that's shone through in his performances and, and certainly maybe last season, I think the difference this season, he just seems to have lost that little bit of I don't know whether he was kind of last season kind of a bit like, why aren't I playing in the 10? That's my position. That's where I should be. And he's lost that little bit of, of ego to understand his role in the team. But but what I like about him is that he, okay, he, he might have burned his bridges with, with some supporters and, and never win them back. But for me, I think that he's, he's rolled up his sleeves and he's starting to show that he can put a bit of graft in and, and, and do, the, do the dirty work, you know, as well as then popping up with those late little runs into the box to score goals, which, you know, you, you've got to give him credit for. And it'll be good to see him turn in, you know, five or six of those performances and, and do it consistently because, you know, when he does, he's, he's such a naturally quality footballer that he, he can elevate the entire team's performance. Mm. Marcel Brands once said to me that uh, if it was up to him, the team would be made up of 10 outfield Gilfie Sigurdsons, but he appreciates you, <laughs> he appreciates you need uh, a bit more of a, of a balance. Um Gav, Carlo said afterwards, um, and again, as you said, sometimes what he says in public and, and sometimes what he's actually yeah. thinking is different. Um, he said Andre Gomez was the best player on the pitch. 
thought Andres. Well, I'd say nobody played badly. Did they on either team on uh, Wednesday night? I thought Andres had a really good game. You know, good team to play against Leeds if you like Andres. You know, they you know they they spread the game out, don't they? Yes. Um, remarkably, you know, so there's lots of lots of space. Though they'll, they'll press, but there's lots of space, and that Andres will you know he, he will thrive in that type of environment. Um, and and he did. I mean, it was a one. I mean, as you say, I mean, I don't want to say the word three assists because it's heresy, but I will mention the three <laughs> assists. But he's been involved in quite a few of our goals in the last few weeks, hasn't he? Three or four of them, he's either assisted or been there or thereabouts, which is good. That was a great cross, uh, not great, great ball for Luca Dean. No, what goal that reminds me of? Carbon um, Coffey, Yelovich uh, is a Sunderland in the FA Cup in 2012. Yeah, we have the Maggie Guy's cross, yeah. Yeah, pulled it across from a similar position to Dean. identical finish to a Gilfie. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought Gomez had a, had a, had a really good game, you know, on, on, and, it, and, and to be fair, you know, you know what I'm like about Gomez, give, give him a stick. Uh, I've never been, a, you know, I've always told he's been, a, he tended to, you know, sports have tended to overrate him since he joined, not since his, obviously, he had a but, you know, he has shown his capability in the final third, which I always wanted him to in the last, you know, in the last month. Um, his problem is, is if he plays deeper and, and the opposition have got, have got the ball, you give him the ball in the opposition half and he's got space, he can be as effective as anyone. He's too forced, isn't he, for a start, which is not really, not really apparent. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was tremendous, as, as with everyone else. In there. He just gives us an option there, doesn't he? Uh, Gomez it was a nice game for him, and, and, and you know, well done to him. Um, great, great ball for the. Uh, not many players we've seen for Everton over the last ten or twenty years could have done a ball like that. By the way, yeah, to uh, to do not with, with the vision and stuff. Um, yeah, he was he was excellent, and, and, and Carl was quite right to sing him out. Yeah. Okay, um, moving on before we look to United, um, to the final fifteen minutes of the pod, Preno. Um, 36 points from 20 games. Um, the best start to a Premier League season since 13-14 under Roberto. And of course, we finished with 72. Um, what are we aiming for this season then? Top four or top six? Oh, um, it, it's a strange season, isn't it? You know, As Gary Lineker so uh, pointedly told us on Wednesday night, if you're coming back from Leeds, you won't have seen it. But uh, on match of the day. He said that um, it's the first time we've won four Premier League away games or four top flight away games in succession since 1985 when they had a half-decent striker up front. And then he <laughs> smiled and goes, Graham Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> which, which was, you know, which was fine. But, you know, so to actually put a run together like that suggests that this side is capable of not special things, but very good things, you know, like, like maybe squeezing into the top four uh, in a season that has been really, really strange like this season has been. But for that to happen, we've got to show more consistency than we have been. We can't be losing at home to Leeds, to West Ham, you know, so at Newcastle, at Southampton, you know, the kind of dodgy performances that we have been throwing in after four or five good performances. So I think guardedly, I think top six and a place in the Europa League I mean, it's looking like we will qualify for Europe, but we don't want to be in this new third-tier competition, the, what is it, the Europa Conference. Conference, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. It, might, it might prove to be a successful competition, but you can imagine the sneering and the, you know, so looking down your nose at that competition. 
you know, the Europa League is a fine competition. And yes, not, not a problem with qualifying for that. Uh, so, yeah, I think top six, that that is what we'd be looking for. But I don't want to go too far ahead of ourselves. We're still in a cup competition. We've got a home draw against the Tottenham team, which is struggling at the moment. So, you know, the cup competition, if you're going to offer me Champions League, you know, uh, top six or an FA Cup victory, I'd go FA Cup all day long. Uh, but the way things stand at the moment, I think Europa League is a very, very realistic and should be an attainable target for us. Sam, same to you, mate. 36 points from 20 games. What should we be uh, aiming for in the final uh, 18, uh, 18 matches? Be quite exciting, wouldn't it, to, to get in that new UEFA Conference League just to just to send just to send you off to Azerbaijan for the sum. Rizombarok was uh, was interesting <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I think I think what Prano was saying isn't it that I think what we've now done is with that victory against Leeds is, is put ourselves back into contention of. Uh, of the Champions League, but you've, you've got to be realistic, haven't you, and say, considering when Marco Silva left last season, which obviously even that sounds mad, it feels like Marco Silva left now about 16 years ago. <laughs> um, the relegation was, was still kind of something that people were talking about. I don't think it was ever a, something that, you know, properly came into the thinking, but Carlo still had to kind of move us away from, from that talk at least. So I'm at, from going from that at the end of last season, still some... You know, terrible days, wasn't it? I think that Wolves game towards the end of last season at Molyneux was one of the worst days of my life, I think, watching that. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, so, to, to go from that to the Europa League and the performances that, you know, slowly but surely, there's still, you know, those those little kind of games, West Ham, Leeds, the two Newcastles, they're sticking in people's heads, aren't they? Mm. Because you think, you know, what if we'd won them? What if we got a point there? Um but yeah, as Preno said, the, the FA Cup would be the perfect kind of meet in the middle, wouldn't it? You know, e- ending that trophy drought and, and getting back into Europe with the, uh, you know, hitting two birds with one stone. But a- anything for me, Europa League, Champions League would just be total dream world, wouldn't it? I don't think you'd be, you wouldn't be seeing me for a couple of weeks if we uh, <laughs> if we qualified for that. But, uh, <laughs> but definitely, definitely take a, take a trophy as well. So I think, I think fifth. I think after after my nan's house move again, it was also telling me fifth. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Gav, Gav, same to you, mate. What do you think? Uh, I think I think when my nan had a house move, it was nineteen seventy. So hopefully, when, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd buy your hands off the top six. To be fair, um, we, we may you know, let's face it again, the Europa League. We might be in there with Liverpool, might we? Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a good stat, by the way, going off the subject a little bit. Uh, 21st of January 2017 was the last day when Everton won away when they lost their home. Mm-hmm. Guess, yeah. guess, who scored the, guess who scored the winner for the opposition at Anfield? I can tell you that because I saw Chris Beasley tweet it this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guilford, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, seriously, top six, Phil. Um, yeah. I said, I said last week or last time we spoke about it is... We're a bit imbalanced at the moment because all our hard away games are all in the second half of the season. You know, maybe traditionally don't get a result. But as we know, this season is a bit different. And as been shown with our, our away form, you know, we won at Leicester Wolves Leeds now, uh, Um and you know, we should and it's shown that the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, hopefully Man United are all vulnerable. 
at home with no supporters and and we got we do appear to be a team under Ancelotti. I think basically we, we outlined the, the last night behind the, the, at the start because we are strong defensive and we've got options in defence. A team suited to playing away from home and the opposition come on to us and that's why we struggled at home. I suspect uh, against some of the dare I say lesser teams. Mm. So top six, I would take no problem. Um, but it depends on us sacking a few results out of grounds where usually we, we get get beat. Yeah. Carlo, of course, said a couple of weeks ago, I'm not afraid to defend. So uh, there'll be plenty uh, plenty more setups to come. Um, okay, Preno, um, we played United twice already this season uh, and couldn't stuck twice, uh, scored once and didn't look like scoring at all in the League Cup tie. Um, how do we turn that around tomorrow? It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean... I was heartened by the fact that it's away from home uh, and despite what United have just done in their last home game, they lost to Sheffield United at home in the game before that. You know, so they're inconsistent. You know, they're capable of tossing in a bad one and we are capable of defending really, really well. And if we can produce the same level of intensity that we produced on Wednesday, and again, that worries me, are we capable of doing that only three days after we've just done it? And you can see, you know, the outpouring of joy and relief at the final whistle from the Everton players you know people fall into the floor because they put so much into it we're gonna have to do that again on Saturday night to get a result at Manchester United are they capable of doing that they're capable of doing it but United have just got so much quality and twice already this season they've done jobs on us I mean that League Cup game was it was harrowing really how much they they battered us basically they were just like by far the better team you know it's off a lot lot of that game um so we're capable of doing this but it's going to take an absolute major major effort to do it and I'm, I'm hopeful uh you know but for that to happen yeah we've got to you know defend as well as we defended on wednesday night uh the players that come back in because they will you know so uh, carlo will rotate as he said you know, Hamas, Rodriguez and Co will have to come in and, you know, sort of show their quality. So, again, it'll be an intriguing one. You know, so it should be a good game to watch, hopefully. Uh, but it's going to be tough. You know, so I wouldn't go into it, you know, massively confident. But I said that before the game on Wednesday when Sam told me we were going to win our next two games. And I said, you know who we're playing in our next two games? So, you know, he's got the first one right. Why can't he get the second one right as well? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's possible, but, you know... It, it's going to take a huge effort. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a good game. I just hope yeah. we do ourselves justice for the quality yeah. performance again. And just while we're with you then, Preno, quick prediction. We'll, we'll, we'll kick that off now. Uh, I've got faith in Sam. 2-1 away win. I think we're going to defend really, really well again. A little bit of flash of quality from James Rodriguez. I know I'm being a little bit silly here and my heart's ruling my head. But no, I'm, I'm going to go for it. It's a strange season strange results and our away form has been exceptional so I think we're capable of doing it again provided the referee and the VAR does their job which they didn't do on Wednesday I know we haven't gone into that and we won't go into it now but that was a strange old decision that you know, to say they looked at it and decided they weren't going to give a penalty because it was too high up the arm it was under the buddy t-shirt line so I don't know let's just forget about that as long as everybody does their job on a Saturday night including the officials we're capable two on the toppies. Mm. Gav, I know you're uh, up against it time wise, so we'll, we'll go to you next. Um, yes. How do you think it's going to go and, and prediction? And... Uh, I'm, a little bit of, I was checked this morning uh, when United beat Ipswich 9 0 in 1995. We played them the week before and won. 
So I'm hoping to sort of <laughs> have, a, have an adjacent fixture this time to the United 9-0 history will repeat itself. So we won 1-0 then, panel. you remember the Duncan Ferguson stuff shit and all that type of stuff. So I've got to go with 1-0. Uh, I think the Chelsea's are the playing teams away from home. I'm really looking forward to seeing Ben Godfrey play, hopefully play centre-half against attackers with pace will really cause you issues and that's a big test for him. I haven't been built yeah. up this week. You know, we need to, another good performance on Saturday. Uh, so, 1-0 Everton, history repeats itself and, uh, you know, and, and onwards and upwards. Well, yeah, before, before you go, Gav, have we ever played Leeds and Manchester United back-to-back like that? We have, because I can remember it, but it's been going back a long, long time. Do you remember the results at the time? Oh. <laughs> we, played, we, we played on Good Friday away at Newcastle. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and won. We played yeah. Leeds on the Saturday, the very next day, and won yeah. 2 0. And then went to Old Trafford on Easter Monday and won 2 1. Bob Latchford scored in all three games. Got to mention of him in there. So there, <laughs> you, there, you, go. there you go. We have played Leeds and Manchester United. The stars are aligned and Phil already, aren't they? You not lose after this. Well, exactly. Gav, if you need to disappear, mate, feel free and we'll carry on. But thank you for your company. Okay, cheers. Thanks, Thanks, Gav. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Gav. Cheers. Sam, so, um, same to you, mate. How how do you see it going? How do we change... How do we change the the two previous results and and, and how do we get a victory uh, on Saturday evening? I think what United done quite well at Goodison was that it came off the back, didn't it, of when we beat Chelsea and Arsenal, kind of playing, you know, within ourselves, defending deep and, and, and trying to get a goal, you know, on the break. From, from set pieces, which we've done pretty well around that time. But as Preno said, uh, I think what impressed me there was, was United just dominated from start to finish. And, you know, although at one point we did look like we were going to take it maybe to extra time and penalties, I don't even think Ancelotti himself, deep down, could have argued that they didn't deserve it. And, and a goal was always coming. There was, I think that first 10 or 15 minutes, I feel like it could have been about 9-0, couldn't it? It was, yeah. uh, it was a mad one, but... There's something in the water this season and there's something in the water at Man United to go from losing to Sheffield United. They were probably going to be, well, they were looking like they were going to probably be the, the worst Premier League team of all time. To them winning 9-0, it just shows you don't actually know what you're going to get for, from them, like pretty much every team in the Premier League this season. So, as Preno was saying, there's, there's, there's scope there there's, for, for it to, to align and for it to come good, but I think it would probably have to be more of a... Uh, Ryan Oviedo style smash and grab. So I'll I'll go for the uh, I'll go for a cheeky one nil Josh King. Wow, way well, off off the bench presumably Josh King. I would take that. Make yeah. a clean sweep, Phil. I don't see it, but I don't see he's getting beat. I think really? yeah, I, I, we don't draw many games, but I think we might draw this one. Um, their home form, despite winning nine nil last time, isn't great. They you know they'll obviously. Uh, I would imagine we will allow them to a certain extent to have most of the ball, won't we? And but as Carlo said, we're comfortable defending deep, and I don't, I don't see that changing. And uh, yeah, as you said, though, the only thing, Prenner, that concerns me is the effort that was put in on Wednesday. Can can we replicate that? So uh, 
fresh legs, James will come back in. Well, maybe we will see King, who knows? But uh, I don't see us getting beat. I see us coming away with something, and I think a draw will be uh, you know, satisfactory anyway. And, uh, and the momentum. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Gav's already disappeared. Sam Preno, thank you very much for your company, and thank you very much for listening. Uh, Adam Jones and I at Old Trafford Saturday night. So follow us on the Echo for all the uh, post-match reaction, live updates, blog analysis, you name it. Quotes from both managers as well, and obviously into Sunday. To uh, this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.